0: Hey guys, welcome to Lords of Order, a DC's Doctor Fate fan podcast. I'm your host Ed Moore, and this is episode 90. Teal Productions on Twitter will get your feedback to me. The Lords of Order has Facebook and Google Plus pages. The email address is Doctor Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com. BigTimeNoise.com/slash Doctor Fate is the website. Speaking of feedback. I have some that I wanted to get into from Mr. Kyle Benning. He of the Giant Size Comics, excuse me, King Size Comics Giant Size Fun feed and multiple guest appearances on podcasts, primarily those of the Fire and Water Network and extended family. Um, I expressed some concern over his uh, lack of podcasts recently. He messaged me to let me know everything is okay. Um, Reassessing of priorities and time has necessitated that uh, podcasting for Kyle uh, be a little bit lower on the list than it had been recently. So that's all. Nothing dire or, you know. Profoundly negative, just uh, life stuff. So that, that was good to hear. Uh, but he continued on, on to the episode itself. The idea of Hitler possessing the Spear of Destiny and Japan holding the Holy Grail uh, were Bronze Age retcons used to explain why the JSAers didn't go over to Europe and get involved. This was first fully realized and detailed in the first couple issues of Roy Thomas's All-Star Squadron series. It's been a few years since I've revisited that series. In fact, I remember reading that first story arc while I sat up with a just a few-week-old son at the time during one of his early sleepless nights. Ah, yes. Two sons, myself, I I remember those days. And I was fortunate enough to go through both of my son's experience in colic. So I certainly remember those sleepless nights. But I believe, uh, returning to Kyle's feedback, all of the characters that were magic or supernatural-based like Dr. Fate, were ensnared by Hitler and Hirohito's thrall when they approached the lands under German and Japanese occupation, so all the way to the Atlantic Wall in pre d Europe. These power Based heroes, once ensnared, then turned on their mere masked human teammates until they could be removed far enough away from the sphere of influence that the effects wore off. This was a tool that was implemented by Roy because so few of the DC hero stories in the Golden Age actually confronted the Axis forces anywhere but the American shores. DC, who had many of their writers and artists serve in the war, felt it was disrespectful or unfair for the brightly clad heroes to go overseas and stomp Nazis because it may diminish the true sacrifices made by actual soldiers fighting the war and because, at the end of the day, when the comic was closed, the war and the horrors it brought with us were still occurring. Uh, As well as Roy tried to make his All-Star Squadron continuity weave in and out of the Golden Age continuity, unfortunately there were a few glaring errors, like this one, that contradicts his spirit of destiny explanation. I guess in his defense, at the time he was writing those issues in the early 80s, there was no inclination that this adventure you covered in this episode would ever be reprinted, so there would be very few people who had the issue and could call him on it. With regards to Marvel, uh, they did not shy away from the war like DC did. Their big three heroes of uh, Captain America, Namor, and the android Human Torch actively engaged and humiliated Nazis and Japanese forces in almost every story, Uh, primarily through the Invaders, I believe was was their book. As always, great episode and recap of Dr. Fate's Golden Age Adventures. It was an enjoyable listen, as always. Thank you very much, Kyle. I appreciate the kind words, sir. Um, And I, I... want to say, uh, while I have the mic, (laughs) that's a joke, Um, that I appreciate the feedback that I receive from everyone. Uh, The Lords of Order podcast seems to have found a uh, a, a friendship that is very enjoyable, uh, very humbling. Uh, for me, it's not something I necessarily expected, but those people that do seem to enjoy it seem to enjoy it quite a bit, and um, I, I am glad of that, and I appreciate their feedback and their friendship. Mentions on their shows, uh, side mentions on shows they are guesting on, it, It's I hear tales of name drops all over the place, and I, I appreciate them one and all, even if all of them I, I don't mention specifically. Now, our story this episode comes from More Fun Comics, issue 87. It's the second story, entitled The Mystery of Room 406, cover dated, the issue is, rather, January 1943. Now, pencils, inks, and letters were by Mr. Howard Sherman. However, the script was by Joe Samachin, S-A-M-A-C-H-S-O-N, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And our story can be found reprinted in the Golden Age Doctor Fate archives, that was put out by DC in 2007. Now, that is what I have open in front of me, as um, it's a little difficult for me to afford decent copies of more comics from the early 40s, as anyone who has looked into those probably well knows. So our narrator opens telling us in one sentence, "...a restful refuge for the ailing and soothing, shelter for the sick and injured, such is a hospital..." merciful citadel of modern medical science. And when grim, silent death stalks the corridors, then those who should return, hale and hearty, to their homes are found stealthily murdered as if by magic. Then, Dr. Fate, that fantastic figure who controls human destinies, must call on all his skill and knowledge to bring the cunning and conniving criminal to justice and solve the mystery of room 406." Now, are you all gathered in front of your radio after all that? I, I, I love reading those because it sounds exactly like something they would say over the radio as, as you're sitting listening to the latest episode of Mystery Theater, Theater of the Macabre, or, you know, whatever from the 40s. I love those narrator uh, narrations in these stories. So the story opens with. Um, Dr. Nelson, wow, sorry about that, uh, doctor, well, intern Nelson, actually, he's referred to as a doctor, but he refers to himself as an intern, which he spells I-N-T-E-R-N-E, or he doesn't spell it, but they spell it in the book, that, that weird E on the end there but Intern Nelson is in an ambulance responding to a call of an injured man that is atop a building under construction. It seems at the highest point, his arm has become trapped beneath a girder, so it's pinned between the girder of the skeleton of the building and a stray girder that has fallen onto it. Now, both approaching and extracting, uh, when that occurs, the injured man Intern-slash-Dr. Nelson seems to move and react much like Spider-Man in Marvel Comics. He literally scales up to get to the man, helps him, and scales down, hand over foot, carrying the man on his shoulders. Now, this is as Nelson... So, how no one questions his ability to do this is beyond me, but it seemingly no one bats an eye. So, well, we won't either. We'll just move on. As they are returning to the hospital with this patient, they find a second man who has collapsed uh, on the side of the street here that they see. And as Kent attends to him, the man. Uh, mumbles, the frog did it, wants me taken to hospital, and then completely passes out. Kent does arrive in time to hear that, picks up this man, puts him in the ambulance too, um, which oddly enough I think is also something that multiple people being carried in one ambulance is something that typically is not done today. Usually, you have one person per bus, and that's. Uh, I don't know what that is, perhaps because that's all it's suited to fit inside. I've never paid much attention to the inside of modern ambu- ambuli. Can you say that? Ambulances? So, uh, but here we have a second man being shuffled into the same ambulance as is already occupied. They get to the hospital. The gentleman that Kent brought in from the building. Um, has to go to the accident ward, according to Dr. Marsh. Dr. Marsh is in charge. But this other man, he is John Cornelius. He's a banker. Not really sure what's wrong, but they will keep him for observation. He goes to room 406, which we already know as the audience. There is something fishy about room 406. Kent is about to find that out, as a nurse overhears reacts oddly, and then after um, some some words slip from her mouth, she hastily leaves. Later, she comes back and finds Dr. Intern Nelson and tells him that the man is not going to make it. Everyone that goes to room 406 has died. And he tells her they're their nurse. It, It must have been just... Something with each individual person. I'm sure it's nothing related to the room. Well, the next day, she comes and tells Kent that this gentleman indeed has died. As she predicted, she tells him. He goes to see Dr. Marsh. And uh, Dr. Marsh uh, doesn't really give any indication, but he's he's looking over the records for the room and notices, hmm, Tugun O'Hara... The gangster occupied room 406 406, after he was shot. Maybe his hidden loot is there. And Kent Nelson thinks, hmm, maybe it's time for me to whip out the Dr. Fate here and and take a look. So he goes to Roland, uh, Dr. Roland, who is head of the hospital, not to be confused with Dr. Marsh. Asks for some time off. Uh, Dr. Roland kind of gives him a little grief, but then does... um, given to his demands of some time off. A couple of days later, Kent is brought into the hospital as a patient. Uh, he, he has bandages over his face, so they don't know it's him. The only room that is open is Rome 406, uh, fortunately enough. So Kent is put into, as a patient, the room in question. Well, once there, he um, un, unbandages himself, undresses, dresses, either way, in two panels, we see Kent Nelson, and then we see Dr. Fabian. So he he puts on his togs. I don't know how he got him in there. We're not, we're not supposed to worry about stuff like that. And uh, he hears a hissing. And then he notices uh, that it smells like hydrocarbons. And then he thinks, well, hydrocarbons burn. So he lights a match and tosses it in the area of the hissing. And it illuminates a group of men all wearing gas masks. So Dr. Fate proceeds to take care of the men with much of the now well-used uh, 40s banter. And it starts out with Dr. Fate saying, Looks like a convention of thugs. Think I'll open the proceedings by rapping for order on this block of wood. And he hits the one thug and says, "He." The thug says, Ooh, I got hit by a sledgehammer. And then Fate continues, You raised your hand to speak so you may have the floor. And this guy... Is speaking. Yes, but with with without my teeth I'm speechless as he has been punched by fate. One of the gangsters has a Tommy gun, points it at fate. No avail. The bullets bounce off, as as we well know. Fate picks up a chair and smashes it across the face of this thug, giving the fourth thug, uh, excuse me, gangster, the. Time to escape, Um, and Fate sees how they have been leaving and presumably entering the room without anyone seeing. There is a vent near the top of the room that they have been using to gain entry and exit from the room. He goes to one of the other gangsters who is still alive but is dying because he has to help. He is Kent Nelson, uh, super intern doctor, dude. So he he can't just let the man die. He has to help him. And as he's attempting to uh, give him first aid, the man is mumbling, you can't help bullet aimed at you got me. So one of the bullets uh, bounced off of Fate and hit him. The frog, they're not dead, not dead, Ah, as as the life drains from our gangster. So Fate thinks a moment, considers everything that he has gathered now about the thugs and coming into the room and frog and, and... doesn't you know? Reach anything? He just sums everything up for us. Next panel, we see Fate looking at his scrying globe, um, his great globe of pure crystal. It tells us, and he sees the frog meeting with some of its henchmen. He follows the signal by way of his magic ring. It glows, and I would presume it must glow brighter when you're near it. Finds that the frog has a hidden lair in the bottom of a lake nearby. Gaining access, Fate attempts to dispatch the thugs and the frog, but the frog surprises him. Feigns being knocked out, but kicks Dr. Fate with a double-leg whammy to the chin. Momentarily stuns him, allowing Frog and his gangsters to escape, opening this hidden layer to the lake waters. So it's starting to fill up. Uh, fate still needs to breathe. Oxygen is, is, is an issue. It's his kryptonite. So he's looking around. He sees a canister of the hydrocarbons that were used in the room in the hospital. Uh, releases the valve and then lights them. The explosion, and we don't see this, we're told before and after, the explosion was enough to hold the water back, create enough pressure to hold the water back to allow fate to escape into the lake waters and eventually climb out. Again, using his uh, glowing ring, he relocates Frog, this time in a gondola suspended by a large balloon. He descends upon the gangsters and the frog, starts beating them up finds some prisoners that are tied up and sees that these are all the men who have died. So they truly did not die. Uh, They're being kept alive and held captive for ransom um, insurance payments, as it turns out. Frog escaped the melee, but fate tracks Frog down. Because he is the uh, Dr. Marsh that is in charge. Frog has been, he captured him first and took his place via disguise. That way he could control what's going on in room 406 in the hospital. Well, fate susses this out, exposes him, knocks him out, and in our last panel we see that he returns speaking to Dr. Roland. Of course, uh, Dr. Roland has the. Uh, The same response as those that surround Clark Kent and Superman, how Clark always misses the exciting stuff when Superman comes around. And Nelson is fed the same thing here about Fate being at the hospital. And the narrator tells us, More Fun Comics fills your prescription for an exciting time with the adventures of the fantastic Dr. Fate, Man of Destiny. Don't miss his phenomenal feats in the next issue. And so thus ends the story of Dr. Fate in More Fun Comics, issue 87. However, there are many more stories for those of you that are interested in the uh, remainder of this Golden Age tale. That affords me the opportunity to mention the Hero Unabridged podcast, whose most recent issue discussed the adventures of the Spectre, as told to us in More Fun Comics, issue 63. Now, this show is going through all of the appearances of the Spectre from the Golden Age, and so um, most of those initial ones were also in More Fun Comics, as was Dr. Fate. Excellent show. Yet another Golden Age podcast to listen to, which uh, there is a, a severe shortage of, in my opinion. So, definitely give that a listen. Hero... Unabridged. Very entertaining, nice format. I I dig that show quite a bit. Next time out, More Fun Comics, issue 88, from February 1943. Talk to you guys then. Ciao. Lords of Order is a teal production, and as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non commercial, non derivative 3.0 unported license.